Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today, we'll be sipping on a coffee that is, well, just very typical for us. You know, we're Zodiac girlies. So we literally <laughs> are sipping on Zodiac Girl Coffee Company. <laughs> it's just, it's fitting. It's giving crime on caffeine. Yeah, absolutely. And the packaging is adorable. So we both got our Zodiacs as the flavors. Obvi. I'm an Aries, in case you didn't know. So mine is called the Warrior Blend. And mm. mm-hmm, it's <laughs> toffee, caramel, chocolate, raisins, green apples, and cherries. And it says Aries are so strong and confident, just like the Warrior Blend. We had to provide a strong coffee to get you going. Wow. Aries are innovators, dynamic, and ambitious. Aries and the Warrior Blend are both complex and wonderful. You will appreciate them the more you have them around. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's very – they're hyping you up. Um, Also, just throwing it out there, obviously, you guys know we uh, took a break because I have been very sick. (laughs) Um, I still have some symptoms lingering, so I apologize for my voice. If you can't tolerate it this episode, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I feel like you're always just a little bit stuffy. Yeah. I'm it's like, just it's like a chronic Erica symptom. Yeah, definitely. But um I can't get this to go away. So here we are. It's okay. Maybe this I is who you, I am now. I think you sound beautiful. I think it's totally fine. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> One of my pregnancy symptoms this week is like major congestion. So I feel you, you don't right now. Sound congested at all? Well, I was about to say right now I I sound like a normal human, but catch me at like six p.m. past. I'm like, <laughs> what do you do to combat that? I just live with it because I can't take a lot of medicine. <laughs> okay, I've just been living with it too. I guess. Yeah, your girl has um high liver enzymes so <laughs> i can't oh, take anything prime yeah. on congestion <laughs> it's new <laughs> oh god anyway no. allison Maybe. what blend are you drinking <laughs> i can't i no this is great i <laughs> am drinking obviously i'm a sagittarius i talk about all the time because I just love it. It's called the Free Spirit. <laughs> oh my God, that's and perfect. I know I'm living for it. Uh, the flavors actually, at first I was like, oh gosh, I'm not sure, but it ended up being incredible. So that tells you you got to go outside your box. They are red fruit flavors, dried apples, cocoa, and then it has hints of toffee. So your girl is living. It says that Sagittarius wake up ready to hit the pavement. <laughs> they need a full body coffee that will keep up with them because you know us, people got to keep up. Um, we love to be on the go. We love to travel and experience new things, and that is what we live for. And we are optimistic, generous, and independent. Independent. My number one key. <laughs> 
I feel like that is like spot on description for you. I know. I was saying some, I was watching this one TikTok and it was like, oh, well, my husband's at home. And it's like this girl who's like, oh, I can't lift this. It's like, while my husband's at work, it's like lifting a full dresser on her back. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it anymore, but I just still try a little bit. (laughs) You're crazy. I cleaned out an entire room by myself and I was like moving chairs and stuff and like all this crazy stuff. And then I realized like, oh shit, I don't think I'm supposed to be like lifting heavy things. So then I had to to look it up and I... (sighs) I can't be as independent as I want to anymore. So time to step up, Matt. <laughs> so I'm a little bit sad about that, but it's okay. It's okay. Now that Erica is okay, I'm hoping she didn't tell me what her case is, obviously, but I'm hoping she's got a good one for us. I also just wanted to say thank you. We've gotten like a lot of really nice messages, like regarding being sick and also regarding Allison's pregnancy. So like you guys are just so sweet and we love you and we love that you care about us. <laughs> yes. And I'm so shocking. Like, <laughs> no. You care? What? Um, and I mean, literally from everybody in the world, we even had a sweet angel reach out to us who is listening from India. So just how, how to all of you guys. I'm in shock. Yeah. Everyone's so kind. I and mean, we really appreciate it because – Obviously, we don't like to change the schedule and push things, but, you know, life happens and you guys have been so great about it and you've been so patient and you're still listening. And so, you know, we just appreciate it because we never want to let you down. So thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. Now tell me what the hell your case is before I go insane. Okay, so my case was recommended by Katie, um, one of my closest friends who has definitely recommended a good amount of my cases, I feel like. But she actually saw this on Snapchat, like the little Snapchat thingies. Really? Snapchat news and sent it to me. So like I watched it all on there first and I was like, okay, I have to do this because it was the most wow. insane. Like, the title was so clickbaity, but it was like, it's true. Yes. So this is the case of Jennifer Shewitt. On the evening of August 10th, 1990, Jennifer Shewitt was asleep in her bed. So normally she would sleep in her mom's bed with her every night because she was afraid of the dark. Queen, mom is so nice letting her do that. But this one night, her mom was like, listen, sis, I have work early in the morning. It's like a really big day. I'm really stressed. I need you to sleep in your own bed. And this was the first time she would be like fully sleeping in her own bed the entire night by herself. Unfortunately, tragically, when Elaine, Jennifer's mother, woke up the next morning for work, Jennifer was gone. This is like every child's nightmare when their parents are like, no, you can't sleep in bed with us. Right? And like the first time this happens, are you kidding? Scaring me. So the same day um, that, you know, when Elaine went to look for Jennifer and Jennifer was gone, two boys were playing hide and seek or tag. I don't know which one in a field near Dickinson, Texas. And here they came across Jennifer. Her throat was slashed from ear to ear. So obviously she couldn't speak. She was naked and clearly had been sexually assaulted. They called 911 and she was taken to John Seeley hospital and she was treated there for two weeks, during which she couldn't speak, and doctors believed at the time she would never speak again. 
which, you know, that was the tough part about this case. Her attacker left her for dead, thought he finished the job. By some miracle, he didn't. And Jennifer was the only witness. She remembered everything, but she couldn't tell her story. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so crazy. Um, So she decided to write out in detail for investigators to use. And they have, like, copies of all the notes she wrote. And I'm going to read them out loud to you, um, everything that she said, like, during – their questioning of her. So she starts off by saying what she was wearing. She said she was wearing a pink t-shirt, underwear with white and blue roses. She says, I was asleep. A man opened the window and grabbed me. He grabbed me and said, shut up. And then I assume this is where officers ask where her mother was because she writes on the other side of the apartment. Then they start asking for his description. So she says he was white. He had glasses. He had a sharp knife. He had brown eyes, either brown or green eyes, maybe hazel. Um, He had a black mustache, thinks that he was in his 30s. And she writes that he said he was an undercover cop and he had a big gun, but When she asked to see it, he said, I don't have my gun or my badge right now. They asked what kind of car he drove. She wrote two doors, bluish, yucky color. But basically, the abductor was using the ruse that he was an undercover cop, didn't have anything to prove to her. So he breaks into her house, her window of her bedroom, drags her out with a knife to her throat, brings her to his car. And then he drives her to the parking lot of her elementary school. It was still summer break, so she wasn't starting school for a few weeks. But he sat in the parking lot with her in the car and said her mother would be picking her up soon. I don't know if he just got, like, impatient or he, like, didn't really have a plan. But literally five minutes after he said this, he started to drive away. And they were driving, like, a mile away from the school. And this is where Jennifer really started to doubt that he was actually a police officer. So this is where she starts questioning him, like, hey, where's your gun? Like, where's your badge? And when she asked him where his gun was located, he said, oh, it's in the back seat. Go look. And so when she went back there to look, this is where he got in the back seat with her. He undressed her and began to get very violent and inappropriate with her. And this is where Jennifer starts to, like, black out a bit at certain moments She said that the next thing she remembered is the feeling of being dragged over sticks and rocks. And at this point, she tries to play dead. And during one of the instances of her blacking out is where he cut her throat from ear to ear. And at this point, she described a bunch of other things to the police and started talking about, you know, the timeline. She was talking about how he had cigarettes with him, just like a bunch of different things that she noticed, like what he was wearing, the departments that he said he worked for. And this girl was so fucking smart to go through something this traumatic and remember this level of detail. Like she remembered the exact type of cigarettes that he had with him, like down to the packaging. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know if I would be able to remember that much because you it's such a traumatic experience like I don't know if I would be like okay I need to remember everything that's happening to me right now 
Right. I know. Exactly. And especially because she blacked out so many times during it happening, you think that she would be so spotty with what she remembered, but like she writes out every detail. You think she'd lose some of that information, like just because she was, I don't know. That's wild. Absolutely. And she starts talking about how like when she got in the car with him, he offered her candy and she said, no way. So like she's smart. If he didn't have this police officer ruse, she I definitely don't think she would have gone along with it. Not that she was, like, going along with it. She was taken against her will. But she did believe him for a minute. And so she's giving them more details of the attack. And she claims that in the car he choked her as hard as he could four times. And she started to, like, fight back. And this is where he drags her to a field while holding a pocket knife. And she says that at this point, this is where she started to feel the pain. So it was probably after she like woke up after he slit her throat. She also writes, he said his name was, try to spell Dennis. So she picked up that information too and remembered it. So think of how helpful all of this is. She has the description down. She has this first name, everything. She has the car. Like this level of detail is crazy because this is exactly what police are going to need. And, you know, you have all of that and you think that that's enough. But unfortunately, it would be years before there was any more movement in the case at all. They couldn't find him based off of this information. Did they have any DNA? So that is the next step. Luckily, within the two weeks that Jennifer was in the hospital, she ended up getting her voice back which is another miracle in itself because they literally told her like, you will never get your voice back. He cut her voice box, her trachea, like everything. What? Yeah. Pretty unbelievable. Continues to work with them, answering any other questions, providing any additional details that she can. They're on it, but there's really not much to go off of until the case is reassigned in 2008 to Dickinson police department detective, Tim Cromie. He and his friend at the FBI, Richard Renison, decided to work on it together. So now we have the entire police department on it and we have the FBI. So definitely a lot better for the case, getting the FBI involved. And they decided to send Jennifer's clothing from the night of the crime off to Quantico and have the DNA reassessed because, you know, it's... Yeah, almost 20 years later. So think of all of the new technology and the advancements that were made at this point. And thanks to an arrest that was made in 1996, there was a match within CODIS and Jennifer's attacker was revealed to be Dennis Earl Bradford. So let's talk about Dennis for a second and what he was doing in the time between the Jennifer incident and the time that they find him in 2008. So the year after he attacked Jennifer and reminder, he thought he left this girl for dead. He thought he killed her and got away with it. So he is living his life. So the next year he's 21 and he marries an 18 year old woman and he has a daughter and a son with her in hot Springs, Arkansas. She ends up leaving him. I think it's because of his alcoholism. He developed a drinking problem and, doesn't go over well for him. One night at a bar in 1996, he was repeatedly harassing this woman who said no to him all night long, like asking 
her if he could buy her drinks, asking if she'll like play games with him. And he literally asks like 10 times and she finally gives in and agrees to play pool. He bought her beer and eventually he offers her a ride home. During the drive, he drives off the path, attacks her, chokes her, punches her repeatedly until she falls unconscious, and he drags her to a field where he rapes her with a knife to her throat. Um, I don't know if this was a situation where, like Jennifer, he thought he killed her and just leaves her, or if this is a situation where he just let her live and leave her. Either way, um, stupid he had to have known he was going to be caught because he just leaves her in the field. Why is he not checking to make sure these people are dead before he's just leaving them? I don't know. I don't know. Not the brightest bulb. No, definitely not. And I mean, it catches up to him because he ends up getting charged with first degree attempted murder. Um, The charge ends up getting this so fucking annoying. The charge ends up getting reduced to one count of kidnapping and one count of rape. And he's only convicted in the kidnapping because they were basically like, oh, you asked for it because you agreed to play a game with him. And then you drank drinks from him. And then you got in the car and went home with him. Not went home with him, but you accepted a ride from him. So they literally. She deserved it. Yeah. They, yeah. Okay. So that was great. Um, so. What, what county was this? Um, this was in Arkansas. Noted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm fucking watching you, Arkansas. What the fuck? Yeah, in 1996. So. Different times, I don't care. But I don't know. So, like I said, he was really convicted in the kidnapping. He was sentenced to 12 years. Like, not even... Even the first degree murder, attempted murder charge getting dropped, like I make it make sense. It doesn't make it make sense. I can't. So, despite being sentenced to 12 years, he served a little over two years. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Let this man walk. He's done nothing wrong. Because why the fuck not? Make, Make it make sense. I don't get it. Um, in 2001, he was arrested for a DUI, so still struggling with alcohol. And then finally, in 2009, 40-year-old Dennis Earl Bradford is arrested and charged with rape and attempted capital murder. So Manns is in jail at Galveston County Jail awaiting trial and about six months into being held there, he unfortunately hanged himself in his cell and never went to trial. No. Uh, I, mm, I hate when they do that. I know. So unfortunately, while justice wasn't really completely served in the way that we would want it to be, I think Jennifer feels like because she was able to use her voice to help solve the case that like that was really what she needed. And she goes around and speaks on her story and helps victims all over the world. And she's doing a lot of great things. She's a motivational speaker. She had a website that I was trying to link, but I don't know if they took it down or the URL changed, but I couldn't 
find like the updated URL. So I'm not sure if she has a website anymore, but there's a bunch of documentaries on her experience. Um, there's either Dateline or 2020 where she um, specifically speaks about everything. Um, so this is literally the shortest episode we're ever going to have. I didn't want to realize this <laughs> was No, it was good. Um, But that is the story of Jennifer Shewitt. So unfortunate and sad about her attacker. But I think this is one of the most incredible stories. I mean, she was brilliant. And just the fact that, one, she probably was not supposed to live. Two, she was not supposed to have a voice. Three, she is fucking a child helping solve her own case. Like, that is insane. Like, and she, you know, she said, like, she knows that her voice came back for a reason. Like, she was determined to get this guy. Yeah, no kidding. Honestly, that's crazy. Did she, like, end up living a great life? Like, does she have a family or anything? Um, I just want the best for her. No, I know. That is a good question. Let's find out. She travels the country to share her experience and is outspoken about what happened to her. Oh, no. She's infertile because of the attack, but a Texas doctor donated his service for her in vitro treatment twice. She's been married to Jonathan Martinez since May 2014. They live in League City, Texas, and they have two kids together, Jenna and Jonah. I'm going to cry. Yay! Okay, so we have a happy ending, guys. Thank God. Really incredible. But, um, I mean, it's so crazy about her attacker because um, psychologists even said for him to have done this in 1990 and then do it, try and do it again six years later, like, what are the – I mean, there's definitely a possibility that he could have done this ag- again. Oh, I mean, yeah. he had the I same like- MO for each girl, the same exact MO. Yeah, and usually after, like, your first attempt, you don't just have, like, a six-year cooling off. No, that's a long, long cooling off period. And for there to only be two victims, like, that's very – Doesn't make sense. No, makes you think. Makes you think. There's got to be somebody else out there. Yeah. Maybe he actually only- finished the job and we don't know. Exactly. And we might never know because he took the easy way out. Yeah, I hate him. So Dennis can eat a bag of a bag of many things. He can choke on that bag of many things, actually. I'm glad that you, you picked up what I was putting down there. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't um, know if we could say the D word on here. <laughs> I mean, we say other words, so I feel like I know it just sounded more it. just sounded more vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mother yeah, now, okay? I'm an exception. But yeah, that was wonderful. I did not know that case. I know me either. So I apologize that this was short, guys, but I feel like the happy ending made it all worth it. Yeah, um, okay. And I've really been into doing like unsolved turn solved or like survivor stories so if you guys know Mm -hmm. of more send them our way i feel like 
have like the oversaturation of unsolved case cases feels kind of hopeless sometimes. So I feel like it's Mm -hmm. nice to have like the silver lining throughout. Love that. You're such a happy little body today. Who, me? You're so optimistic. Hello. <laughs> Never. I do. I found a case that I wanted to do for my next one. And then I realized this is my dilemma is he didn't murder them. He, okay, I'm not going to say what it was, but my dilemma is that I wouldn't know what to title it. Oh, damn it. You know? And then it was just so vulgar that I closed out of it and I stopped Yeesh. reading. So it's like I want to do it, but I wouldn't know what to name it. So I'll put some thought into it. No, let's just do it anyway. And then we could just brainstorm a name, come up with a new name. Okay. I'll put some thought into it. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you for your patience and for being the best listeners ever in the whole big wide world. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also rate us on both of those, but only five stars because that's just what we deserve. Um, And follow us on Instagram and YouTube because I'm starting to update our YouTube finally. So we will slowly be releasing episodes on YouTube. I didn't want to do it all at once because I feel like that was just like really crazy. So there's going to be like two a week on there until we get caught up. But anyway, subscribe to YouTube. And we are the most active on Instagram. So just don't forget. It's at Crime and Caffeine. That is where um, you guys can send us messages about literally anything, whether it's coffee, a case. Oh, Chicago people. I have been putting stickers all over Clark Street and State Street. I saw that. So <laughs> if you see them when you're walking around, you should absolutely show us or post it and tag us on your stories. Let me know if you see them when you're going like on Clark where all the bars are, um, like where the streets are closed off. Let me know if you see them. Love that. I haven't planted a sticker in a while. Maybe I'll go on a rampage planting stickers all over the place. I noticed they they took them down or painted over them on like all the poles everywhere. So I was like, hmm, let's start fresh, guys. (laughs) But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And we won't keep you any longer. So we'll catch you on the next one.